Howdy gamers, this is your host, Mike Conway, with another edition of RPG Showcase. We can be found every other Tuesday, most of the time, at www.rpgshowcase.com, and you can leave comments there or write to me directly at mike at rpgshowcase.com. As I posted on the website, I decided to try something different, but it completely bombed. I mean, it bombed big time. If I wanted it to sound good, I'd be editing until it's time for the next episode to come out. So the idea has been scrapped, and here we are. If you've stuck with us, welcome and thank you. If you haven't, well, you're not hearing this anyway. Good for you. Anyways, let's get on with the show. In spite of everything, I'm still pretty hyped about what's in today's show. We have a couple of fun news items, and I'm going to be reviewing the new furry RPG, Kevin and Kel, which is based upon the webcomic of the same name. And we have not one, but two interviews today. The first is by the creator of Kevin and Kel, and a former gamer himself, Bill Holbrook. And we also have a current gamer, publisher, and writing sensation, Michael Hopcroft. Both of them were a lot of fun to talk to, and I got some great information out of them. Now then, seeing as how we're in the third episode of this podcast, and many of you have had an opportunity to listen to the first two, I'd love to hear from you. What do you want to see or hear on this podcast? Are there any games you'd like to see me cover? I already have a few requests that I'm looking into. Are there any format comments? Anything I'm not saying or covering that you want or need? Tell me, that's what I'm here for. As I said before, you can leave a comment on the website, or you can write to me at mike at rpgshowcase.com. I recently went to my friendly local game shop and got to really looking around. I knew this... I knew that there was a lot, but I didn't know that there was that much there. And you know what? I want to cover it all. If this keeps up, I may have to go to a weekly format. Publishers, if you'd like to have your product spotlighted on RPG Showcase, send me an email and we'll talk. Also, if any listeners have played some games and you'd like to have your opinions voiced on the air, write to me also, and I will read your reviews on the air. Just let me know what game it is, what the good things are, what the bad things are, what your recommendation is, and you'll hear it here. Our hobby gets by on word of mouth mostly, so feel free to share. On another note, I'm currently in the process of creating a vendors page, so you can get links to buy the products I cover as well as some other things. If you hear it, you won't have to go looking for it. Keep checking back for for more developments. Right now though, let's get on with... All the news stories that's fit to talk about, even some that ain't. Alright, first piece of news. If you don't like having to use your printer ink in order to print out PDF games, or you hate standing in line at the local Kinko's, Politically Incorrect Games has recently begun offering a PDF printing service for games bought on their website. Of note, this is only for their own games. According to their website, you make your purchase, then pick to have it printed out and shipped to you. A neat feature of this service is you can still download the PDF version of the book and read it while you're waiting for the U.S. Postal Service to get your printed out book to you. You can also use this feature with RPG Now, you just need to keep your receipt. A note on this feature, it does produce a pretty smart-looking black-and-white book, although it's not a perfect-bound book like the print-on-demand books that you'd get from RPG Now, but you have to admit, it's nice to have someone else do the printing. If anyone listening has used this service, write to me, you know where, and let me know how it worked out, and I'll let everyone know what you thought of this in a future episode. FanPro has recently announced that the long-awaited print version of the Shadowrun 4th Edition game is to be released the 3rd of October. According to the official website, Shadowrun 4th Edition offers a completely new rule system that is simple, integrated, and accessible. The state of the art has also been advanced, introducing a new level of augmented reality, new gear, new magical discoveries, and more. The game is a 352-page two-color rulebook with 16 full-color sample pages. Sounds like FanPro is really going for the wow factor. 
Now, as I understand it, from what other people have told me, the new version of the game replaces the old dice pool mechanic with something a lot more streamlined and using less dice. Shadowrun, for me, was the first non-Dungeons & Dragons RPG that I ever played, and I loved the setting, but I really didn't like the system too much. I'm hoping to review it in a future episode. Reviews of game systems and the gameplay power. As I said in the introduction, this week's episode features the Kevin & Kell RPG. Kevin and Kel is the role-playing game based upon the widely popular webcomic by Bill Holbrook. If you haven't read it yet, then you might consider finishing listening to this podcast, then click on the link, which is handily on the website, and go read the full archives to catch up, then get the game. You'll be glad you did. Kevin and Kel is available both as a print book and as an electronic download through RPG Now. If you get the electronic version, you get both the color version, which is what you'll see in the book normally, and a special printer-friendly version, which has only the text from the game. I've noticed that relatively few companies do this, and I'm glad that they are. It truly does save on ink, especially if you print it in draft format. Kevin and Kel used the Action System, which is a game engine created by Mark Arsenault, and he decided to put the whole game out as open content. In fact, he even went as far as to put out the entire text of the rules as an SRD, so you could simply cut and paste the rules into your own publishable game and save yourself a step. The mechanic is simple. Attribute plus skill plus 3d6 versus a target number. Combat is similar, you roll the same, and the defender makes an opposed roll with the same mechanic. A difference here, though, is that this system uses a damage save, similar to what you see in the Mutants and Masterminds Superlink license. No matter what you want to do in this game, there's a mechanic that covers it. If you like Crunchy, you'll love this. If you don't, you may just consider ignoring large portions of the book. You have various skill modifiers for most kinds of terrain, weather, environmental factors, and so on. Unfortunately, this does make it a bit daunting, but if you need a for sure rule, you can look it up. Character creation is done with points, and you have a pool of points for attributes conveniently called attribute points, and for skills, capabilities, and defects, known in other games as advantages and disadvantages. These are furry points. A very neat point, when buying skills, the rules talk about both buying individual skills and also the more economical version of buying skill groups. I haven't seen too many games that do this, but it's very cool that it's allowed. You can not only buy a skill group, but if you're better at one skill in that group than the rest of them, then you can buy more levels above and beyond the skill group. So if you buy a melee weapons group skill at plus two, then you buy sword at plus three, you effectively have a plus five when you use a sword. But you would only have the plus two when using other melee weapons. Unlike a lot of furry games, there's no list of animals to choose from. With all the animals and animal types that exist in the webcomic world, such a list would be a tad long. However, a list might have been helpful for inspiration. When I made the character that you'll see on the webpage, I had a lot of trouble figuring out what animal to make him. When you're making a character, the amount of points and the amount of ma and whatever the maximum attribute or skill level you have to spend depends on how realistic the campaign level is. There are three levels of realism, realistic, cinematic, and extreme. This seems a little out of place, since the webcomic doesn't touch much on the latter two. However, it does allow to greatly expand the game. There's enough science fiction elements in the webcomic, such as time travel and psionic powers, that it could hint at a much more epic universe to play in. Another fun mechanic here is action points, which was lifted directly from the action system. It's a metagame mechanic, usable to get bonuses when making die rolls, use a skill that you don't normally have, and other stuff. It doesn't allow for automatic successes, at least in the main rules, but a nice GM might allow it, at least if you spend enough AP. There's a chapter on hunting, which gives a simple six-step procedure for running a chase. I haven't seen this in too many games. In the games I've seen that use chase rules, they're either too complicated or they require miniatures, which I normally don't use. 
but these chase rules are quite nice and simple. There are a lot of modifiers to cover almost anything a character can do while chasing or being chased. Uh, there's a lot of different terrain types, almost too many that's covered. There's only a few pages in the chapter on running adventures, but it is pretty thorough. You'll get a good lesson on how to lay out an adventure, and there's a lot of talk about villains, both in here and throughout the book. All in all, it seems that the creators of the action system tried to cover every possible ground for every possible situation in the world, and all those rules show up in Kevin and Kel. If you really love crunchy games, you'll love all the rules that are in here. You won't be left in the lurch. For some people, it might be too much. Personally, I wouldn't use most of the rules and would just settle to fudging die rolls where a certain thing came up. My memory isn't that good, and I'd hate to have to pause an exciting chase scene to look up every little twist and turn. Production quality is good, it's very attractive, except for a few typos and a couple areas where some terms weren't changed from the action SRD, but it is exceptionally well written, and it does come with that printer-friendly version if you bought it on RPG Now, which is a definite plus. I really like how the game looks, and I like how it... Uh, even plays. So it is definitely very nice to look at. Where it counts, the setting, the game does not disappoint. There's a lot of setting information in the front. What caught my eye is that religion is the first thing that's dealt with. Use of real religion, whether it's in comics or games, takes a lot of guts, but it was pulled off extremely well. However, the only religion that was covered in the webcomic, and that's the only religion covered in the game, was Christianity. Um, however, a creative GM can easily insert other world religions based upon what we know about the animal characters. The game also doesn't skimp on character description. Every character that matters, which is most of them, has a good many paragraphs devoted to them. You'll be very familiar with each one if you decide you want to play a webcomic character. It's a good game. I give it a high recommendation. I think there could have been a little less crunch on the r rules and more on the setting, but if you want to play in the world of Domain, or you just want to play a furry game, this game is for you. Interviews of people in the business, or a humble player or GM. Give a round of applause for this episode's special guest. As I said before, this week we actually have two guests instead of just one. I was able to get both of them on the phone, and here's how it went. First up was Bill Holbrook. Okay, we're here, and we are, and I have Bill Holbrook with us right now. Welcome to the show, Bill, and thanks for allowing us this interview. Thank you very much. Okay, to start off, uh, for our listeners, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, such as who you are, what got you started in webcomics, and what your first webcomic was? Well, my first uh, webcomic, of course, is Kevin and Kel, but my history goes prior to that. I um, have been a nationally syndicated cartoonist since 1984, when King Features launched on the Fast Track, which is still continuing in many papers. And I also do Safe Havens, which was launched in 1988. Um, I got into webcomics because I wanted to take advantage of the Internet when it became widespread in 1995. And in addition to putting both of my King Features strips online, which um, you can see now on King Features' Daily Ink site, I wanted to take advantage of the specific art form of webcomics, which... Um, I felt you could do more in terms of complex storylines on the web than you could with daily comics because the archives are always available to the readers, whereas a newspaper reader may have to go back a few days to find out what's going on. They don't have the newspaper from a few days ago right there. A web comic reader can always go back and catch up on a storyline of what's going on and Therefore, you can do a lot more things than you could with a standard newspaper strip. 
Heck, you could go back to the very beginning if you really wanted to. Yeah. That is something I've always liked about uh, something about web comics. So, what was your inspiration for Kevin and Kel? How did you come up with the characters, and and why furries? Well, I wanted at the time to talk about tolerance and um, people coming together and overcoming their differences. Um, I wanted to talk about it in a way that I could talk about the issue without it being too specific about it, without it being one specific race or religion or um, ethnicity or social class. I wanted to talk about the issue in a universal way. And of course, I'd always been a fan of Walt Kelly uh, with his pogo strip in which he used anthropomorphic characters to talk about really anything under the sun. So by adapting anthropomorphics to the topics I wanted to talk about, the result was the marriage between a rabbit and a wolf. <laughs> yeah, definitely a good way of dealing with that. I, uh, that's, it's, uh, it seems to people are more comfortable with, uh, with furries as opposed to real people, right? Uh, you can get a lot. You can get get away with a lot by putting it in a in a anthropomorphic setting than if you were very specific about um, something in particular. It, it would almost be limiting to talk about one specific thing, but by making it a rabbit and a wolf, it talks about everything. Hmm. Are, are Kevin and Kel themselves, are they based on anybody you know, or just to somebody you kind of pulled out of thin air? Uh, they developed on their own um, through the gags themselves. Um, I let the characters in all three of my strips do that. Um, sometimes characters go in ways you don't even plan. Yeah, I know all about that. <laughs> okay, how long has uh, how long has Kevin and Kel been online? Well, it started ten years ago this month on September fourth, nineteen ninety five, and um, it's a uh, Real exciting anniversary for us—a nice milestone. Ah, oh, yes, you have an anniversary. Yes, that's on your—that's on your website, isn't it? That you talk about that. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. The Sunday strip of I think September 18th. I think I had a special thank you for the readers. <laughs> and how many how many strips to date have you drawn and published online, roughly? Well, uh, it's, it's over three thousand. Three thousand. I think it's more like a 3,100, actually. <laughs> well, you must be very dedicated. Oh, yeah. It was um, Monday through Friday through the first five years, and then it went seven days a week uh, starting in 2000. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a considerable number. Yeah. So, uh, so being that the topic of discussion is how your wonderful webcomic has now become a hot sensational RPG, what do you think of this? Oh, it's very exciting. Um, you know, I really want to compliment Michael Hopcroft, who's done an amazing job with it. Um, looking at the back of the book, where he takes each individual character and has all their different numeric attributes uh, to, um, kind of, in order to play the game through the fudge dice system. Um, it, was, it was just amazing to me how he was able to take each character and break them down numerically. Something I think I could have done. Yeah, it takes a takes a special talent to do that, and I know Michael's Michael's pretty talented himself. So, 
Um, in fact, how did you how did you feel when Michael Hoproff came to you with this idea? Well, I was really excited about it. Um, I jumped on it immediately. I had seen role playing games um, going back to the old Dungeons and Dragons days of the 1970s. <laughs> yes, I go back that far. Um, <laughs> And to see Kevin and Kel be adapted to that, um, I wanted to do it right away because uh, I've created this world um, in Domain uh, where Kevin and Kel live, a whole society in which um, life and death is a daily event. Uh, you have predator and prey going on all the time. And I always thought that a game situation would be applicable for it because you have the built-in conflict. You could play as a predator, you could play as prey. Yeah, I'd be I'd be freeing for my character's life on a daily basis. You know, there's there's going to be somebody above him on the food chain, you know. There always is. Yes. <laughs> business. That's a challenge. Yeah, it's just like business really too, you know. It's the business the business world is kind of like that. Well, Herd Thinners Incorporated is um you wouldn't want to get involved in the office politics there. No. Bill has done an amazing job by surviving this long. Yeah, I bet. Uh, how, do you, how do you think Kevin and Kel themselves would feel about being part of a game? Uh, it, uh, I, the characters themselves, I think, would be really interested because I think uh, Michael Hopcroft has come up with some interesting games that we've played at Dexcon um, that involve the characters. Of course, you don't have to play with... As Kevin or Kel, you can create your own characters in this game. Um, well, that's definitely true, yeah. In the world of domain. Oh, yeah, def- definitely. Um, yeah, we've uh, set the rules um, that um, where predators can take down prey, that, but they have to eat them. Um, it can't be, it has to be an anonymous prey. It can't be someone you don't like. Yeah. There are all these rules in society that uh, allow this to work. What about if you're, uh, what about if you, you know, you just don't happen to like the guy, but you just get really hungry, you get famished, you gulp him down. Is there going to be consequences for that? Yes, yeah, yes, there are. That's against the rules. It has to be anonymous. Hmm. I didn't mean to do it. I just, my tummy grumbled, you know, things like that. Right. <laughs> okay, so it has to be somebody you, has to be somebody you don't know. Is there anybody in the? Are there any of the characters in the game who, you, postulating, of course, you think they'd look at their stats and say, "That's not me." Well, that's why you can create your own character. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I can. You know, miss, if um, Kevin would look at his stats and think he has a higher strength or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's pretty strong. I think he'd be satisfied with his strength characteristic. Actually, I do. I, I agree with it fully. Um, now the game's been released, uh, does it appear to have increased your viewing audience at all? Gosh, I really don't know because for a long time we didn't have a stat counter on our sites. Um, it's only been in the last two weeks we put it back up, so I really don't know how it's affected since the game came out in July. Oh dear, any fan mail? Oh, lots, yeah, because uh, I get that on a daily basis. Um, one of, the, one of the great things about being in web comics is that the email address is just a click away. You can write an email. Um, in my newspaper strips, I have my email address on every one of my strips, but you know it's, that means that people have to go over to the computer, turn on their mail server, and then type in the um, 
type in my email address, bcholbrook at compuserve.com. Yes. And I actually get more mail from Kevin Kell than I do from my two newspaper strips combined just because it's so easy to write to me. How about the how about the how about any tie-ins to the game? Has anybody written to you saying, um, "I found the I found the game on RPG Now, or I found it in my game store, and I looked at it, and I had to read the strip"? Any, anything like that? Not yet. Um, in fact, I don't think my email address is in the game itself. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a link in the game to the uh, to the website at the very least. So. Oh yes, there is that. Yes, there is definitely that, and of course, then they can email me through that. Like I said, I get email on a daily basis. So just general kudos. <laughs> must be must be very exciting to 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 get that kind of email. I don't have a webcomic myself or anything like that, but uh, must be very exciting. Yeah, like, like I said, people are writing to me all the time. You love me. You really love me. <laughs> well, sometimes they say the opposite, but that comes with the territory. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, I I would say it's ninety to ninety five percent favorable, but those the the five percent gets a response from me too. I mean, even if someone writes to me with a negative comment, they deserve a response. So what, I, what, I what like that. What could it, what could somebody have something bad to say about him? What could they possibly say that's bad about it? Or oh wow, there was a firestorm on the Kevin and Kill mailing list a few years ago when I killed off a character. Um, that raised a whole series of issues. Oh, oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> okay, last, uh, finally, uh, where do you envision the Kevin and Kel gang being in about a year? Ah, uh, I can't tell you. It's, you can't tell. <laughs> it's classified. It's a secret. Uh, things are always in flux with the two claws. Um, things are always happening and changing, and I have this strip plotted out years in advance. Um, hmm. Like the char- characters do surprise me. For instance, the character of Abby. Um, Abby Eyeshine, the cat that I introduced last fall, was just going to be a brief character because um, I, the overall storyline of the strip had to have Kel be away from her thinners for a period of time. Right. Um, so during that time, Kel had to be bringing in money, so I had to be the office manager of a cat who runs an auto repair shop. And when Kel went back to her dinners, the cat was supposed to just fade away. Well, she became such a good character that she wormed her way into the main cast, and now she's a permanent part of the strip. So characters do surprise you. Yeah, they, yeah, they definitely do. One of my favorite authors, L. Frank Baum, was kind of like that as well. He's like, my characters never do what I tell them to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you think we might see uh, supplements to expand the game? Um, Michael Hopcroft is planning on it. Um, he wants to um, take into account changes that have taken place in the strip, um, beginning with March 1st, 2004, which is when he had the cutoff for developments that were in the current role-playing game. He wanted to, again, take into account Abby coming into the strip, um, Kevin being revealed as the Iron Rabbit, in the World Wrestling Federation, right? Um, other things that have happened since then. Actually, as a pro wrestler fan, that I, I actually really love that uh, particular storyline. <laughs> Thought that was great. Okay. <laughs> um, how about if you're, how about if Kevin and if Kevin Kell, anybody in the strip, found out uh, about this podcast? Uh, how would um, um, if they found it online? You know, hearing their creator, what do you think they think about that? 
Oh, they would probably be um, keep very quiet, or else they'd be put under psychiatric observation. <laughs> you talk to them. <laughs> Great. Okay, one last thing. Do you offer any other merchandise for sale away from the RPG? Uh, the only thing we have going now is the um, Kevin and Kel collections, and this week the tenth one is out, called Oh the Humanity. It's available in paperback and black and white uh, at 13.95, or you can get this special color hardback edition that comes with a Kevin and Kel patron level, which uh, also gets an email the delivery of the strip um, for forty nine ninety nine. Um, that's again all up on the kevinkell.com website. Wow, sounds sounds like fun. Okay, well, in, to our listeners, uh, if you, I uh, um, have a link to the web, to the uh, Kevin and Kell role playing game on my website, and uh, uh, on kevinandkell.com, where you mentioned earlier, um, can they go th- can they go to your website to buy those books? Uh, they can go to to the website, and they, um, there's an icon that comes up for the role-playing game, and you can click on that icon. And it's, it's a picture of Lindisfarne throwing some dice. Okay. Uh, and you should be able to see that and click on that, and then go to the Comstar website. Okay. Can they can they buy the uh, the other collection the collections from the website as well? Yeah. There's a link to Plan Nine also. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Bill. I, I appreciate you uh, taking taking some time out of your schedule to talk to me tonight. Well, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. All right. Thank you so much, Bill. You're welcome.